0: Today I have a trainer's roundtable with me and I'm kind of excited about this show for a lot of reasons. I've I've thought about kind of doing this when I used to own a, a publication. I would uh, pose a question, have a lot of different trainers answer questions. And we've done that on this show a few times. But the way I did it before is I had each uh, trainer individually answer the question. Tonight, I have three very, very experienced, uh, very very uh, respected trainers in the the canine world with me. I have Wendell Nope, who's the director of the Utah Post uh, Academy. Wendell, how are you? Best day ever. Outstanding. Then I have Ron Cloward. He's a retired uh, lieutenant from Modesto. And if you've listened to our show, you've heard uh, Ron on here. Hi, Ron. How are you? Great.
1: How about yourself? You guys good?
0: Yep, we're doing good. In the middle, we're taping this right now in the middle of the whole coronavirus outbreak. So uh, crazy times we're in. I, th-
1: I think we're all within the uh, six foot. Limit.
0: Yeah, exactly. We're we are socially distant by hundreds of miles. So, <laughs> um, Mike Goosby from uh, LAPD. If you've listened to the show, uh, I, had, I did three shows recently with Mike. How are you today, Mike?
2: I'm doing well, I'm doing well sir. Good to be here.
0: Well, I appreciate you guys all jumping on the phone with me today, and I was telling uh, everybody before we started recording here that this is a, a bonus for me because I, I like doing these kind of shows because I like uh, I like learning different things, and then actually right now I'm kind of dealing with a, a weird thing with a patrol dog that I haven't dealt with before, and at any given time I could pick up the phone and, and call a lot of different people, but um, these three people would be very, very, very high up on that list when I have questions about... Hey, have you ever seen a dog do this, and how did you remediate it, or what do you think? So I'm I'm getting the bonus of uh, of interviewing some really good trainers tonight. Plus, I'm going to get some information about a problem I'm dealing with. So in a nutshell, you guys, here's the problem I have, is that I'm helping train a, a new patrol dog. It's a brand-new handler. The patrol dog we got, we liked how he selection tested. We didn't see environmentally the dog is solid. It's a Malinois. He's about 14 months, slightly immature, a little more immature than what we saw when we tested him now that we've got him, but nothing, nothing too bad. Around he acts about his age, maybe just a, a tad less mature than some some 14-month-old Malinois. was. His when we first got him, he did not know how to bite a bite suit. That took about three or four reps, and he is completely indiscriminate on a bite suit. Very, very full mouth bites, extreme pressure, super, super calm when he bites. He's uh, not there's no chewing. It's just he gives everything he has. Um, he's hunting very, very well. he um there's so many good things we like about him. And in the selection test, we were able to look at a lot of different dogs, and we didn't see anything about this dog, you know, like I said, environmentally, he hunted well. Um, the environment was good. We had him go down a long, long, narrow, old, empty building. Found me in a. He had to go through a room, through a room, to a dark room, and come in and find me. And I was in a bite suit, and it was probably the second time he had ever bitten a bite suit. Didn't quite get it right away, but took a took a bite, a little bit hesitant, and then decided to stay with it. So I liked what I saw then for a dog that had no experience and was was confident enough to stay with me. We get him home, um, take him out. Do give them the handler a week to uh, socialize the dog. The dog's doing fine. I saw the dog on multiple occasions during that week, had him in, in my office at headquarters, um, walked around, the commander saw him, tail up, uh, just calm, you know, ears up, being inquisitive, but still being social, like your average dog. Now, every once in a while, I got a couple reports that when there was more people around, the dog looked shy borderline skittish like don't pet me back up you know and then kind of stood behind the handler i didn't see it myself you know and i said well let's just you know let's keep keep playing with him and see see what we see um so his progression for um work we have not put any pressure on the dog we haven't uh done because of that i said well, let's just go real slow and he seems a little young so all we're doing is fun fun bite work some door indications. We have a gigantic building that we can he can run free in. Um, I want the handler to go nice and slow and bond with him. We have done a little bit of just inducive obedience with him. Nothing, uh, no corrections with the dog. So, because I, I what I see with the dog is he seems to be a little bit handler subordinate. But I, um, I hadn't seen you know this this, for lack of a better term, just kind of shyness around people um but i've got a few reports of it so one of the examples was one of the handlers when i wasn't there walked over to his car they had the dog out they'd been working the dog when he came back the dog like stood real quick behind the the handler even though this the other the other handler that had walked over his car when came back he'd been there for a minute but it was almost like the dog showed that he was you know i I don't know if he's scared of him my opinion is from what i see in the dog we've tried to replicate it we've put we then put pressure on him when we did bite work. We put him in dark rooms. We put him by, by. you know, I I did the decoy in. I put loud noises, dark rooms, um, made him uncomfortable, squeezing him into corners. All he does is dig all that. So when he's in drive, there is absolutely no issue. It's when he's kind of not in drive that he seems a little skittish. So I have some ideas of my own as to what I um, what I think it might be, but I want to here if you guys have ever seen that and i'll tell you one other thing we did with him is we took him to a local home depot and because you know i kept hearing reports about how he doesn't like to be around people so i had the handler who the handler's doing a good job but he's a brand new handler i had the handler walk him through there and of course you're a brand new handler and you're walking through home depot with a dog you don't know i understand why you'd be a little nervous so i ended up kind of taking the dog and walking him being more relaxed and absolutely nothing with the dog didn't care about people he's a little bit aloof like some malinois like he's not trying to get everybody to pet him but no no shyness no fear no anything um, we made some noise on an aisle we found an empty aisle we had a, a handler who hasn't been around the dog very much in civilian clothes walk up to the dog the dog kind of backed up just a little bit and looked at him and then after we stood there for a minute the dog went over and took sniff and let him pet him and everything so um, was, wasn't over the top social with him, but recovered right away. And then when, uh, we did stuff in the store, um, nothing bothered him until we dropped one of those plastic Homer buckets and he didn't like that. But the second I dropped a Kong in the bucket and then threw the bucket around, the dog lost his mind and there was nothing you could do to, to change his mind about wanting to get to the bucket. So again, when he was in drive, didn't give, you know, it, it didn't care about anything. So um, I guess I'll go around and, and see first off, does anybody, am I leaving out anything or do you guys have any questions about anything that we've done with them so far? So, Wendell? Um, no, I I think you gave a good explanation. Okay. Ron or Mike? I'm good. I'm good. Okay, so uh, Wendell, have you seen that before in a dog?
3: I have, not no specific behaviors, but um, similar behaviors. And my experience has been that... Uh, this is a dog that I assume came from Europe and was, and my first idea is that he is possibly killblind blind and not had a lot of socialization. The drives are high enough to carry him through new strange situations uh, when he's in drive, but his environmental status now is perhaps lacking.
0: Okay. Uh, Ron, what do you think? Off the top I kind of, kinda,
1: head. well, I don't want to sound like I'm just nodding my head and agreeing, <laughs> but I have to agree with, with Wendell on that. I think you know you got a dog that, um, and I've seen it in a lot of dogs, I'm sure these guys have too, when they're in drive, I mean, they'll battle through just about anything, but then when they're not in drive and they're just walking around in a casual state um, and they're shown or presented with something that they're not used to or they're uncommon with, um. They act, you know, like you're talking about, very skittish and, and back away and they're, you know, they want to suspicious and they want to reach out and sniff it and check it a little bit. Um, so I think that's what you've got is you got a dog that <clears throat> when he's in drive, he's fine. He'll just work. Um, so, you know, I guess in the long run, the roundabout of the whole thing is as long as he's going to work when he's in drive, is that really a problem? Is that something that we would want to? Spend a lot of time with because if he'll go through those kinds of issues when in drive, that's when we want him to work anyway. Okay.
0: How about you, Mike? Have you had to deal with this?
2: Uh, Yes. Yeah, I, you know, and I'd say we probably deal with it a lot, probably more nowadays than we did when I first came to the unit. I mean, because back then we we're getting dogs two, three years yeah. old, you know, and now we're getting dogs that are, like you said, 14 months old, 16 months old. And the one thing you can't change is maturity. Yep. You're not going to make that second grader to a fifth grader yeah you know, and so we gotta use a kid gloves. Um I agree with them as far as the drive thing goes, but where it would give me pause and where it has, and I've learned to overcome it, is that there are be times that the dog has to be able to maintain, if you will, during those downtimes when he's not in drive, a still on a SWAT cape or the barricade or something like that. He may be a lot of downtime, a lot of guys around the full kit and everything. so. The way I get around that is I do a lot more uh, socialization with the dog team-wise when he's not in drive. Meaning that when the dog first starts basic obedience, I got four or five guys on the field with him doing obedience in the handler at the same time. You know, we're kind of activating that dog and get him socialized. I, I, I think Wendell hit it spot on. I mean, yeah, he's just, environmental-wise, he doesn't have it unless something has his attention. You know, the problem with police dogs, though, is that they're like us. Something's not always going to have your attention, but we, well, we still need you to work, though. Maintain.
0: So I will say too, for, for people who are listening, I know, uh, like I, I talked to one of my buddies and he's like, well, maybe you just exchange the dog. Well, first off, I'm sure Ron, you know, for somebody who sells dogs, you don't appreciate people not trying to fix a problem. And, <laughs> <Right>. and, sec- <laughs> and, and, and second off, you know, the, we, we went uh, 1400 miles to get the dog. The dog is really good in so many ways. He's a, uh, an air scenting fool. He's going to find people. His, like I said, his bites are common, methodic. Uh, we did want to see how he would be around like the, the SWAT team and stuff. So um, our SWAT team has a few different vehicles, but one of the the trucks that they drive is an old bread truck that rattles and makes all kinds of noise, and most of the dogs don't like it. So I guess they drove the dog around in that for a little bit, and the dog went to sleep because he's just, I mean, he's solid when it comes to noise, to those kind of things. It was just a few people in there, and he he just went to sleep and was like, all right. And then when they got him out, he was ready to go to work again. So... What would be some things that that we could do? I mean, is it is this just something that we just need to do uh, give him time, do you think, Wendell?
3: Yeah, I think so. if if everything else is as good as what you're saying, I think it's worth your effort to try to to try to just fill in the blanks of the the sociability and the the environmental issues. Those are things that can be changed through repetitive training like I say when a dog is kennel blind as I suspect he might be then it's not his, really his fault that he hasn't been exposed to all these things so even though he's getting a late start at uh, socializing our world and being more exposed to things when he's off task um, that's if he's that good
0: then I would I would think is well worth your effort I I I, I tend to agree with that but I want to. You- See what you thought too, uh, Ron. What, what do you think?
1: Well, I mean, at 14 months old, he's still young, so he's young yeah. enough that you can do a lot with that dog to develop that dog. I mean, it's uh, just a matter of spending a lot of time. It always comes down to how much time you want to spend to fix something, and if you think that the dog itself is worth fixing and saving, and and so I mean, by all means, you want to do everything you can to make that dog successful, which means socialize them and interaction with as many people and situations as you can. And like you said, in drive, he's fine. So out of drive, do as much as you can to expose them to that and help the job dog to mature a little bit. That's what it's going to come down to.
0: And Mike, you said you've dealt with this before. Overall, have you had pretty good success working your way out of it?
2: Absolutely. We have one dog now, Nick. We got Nick when he was 13 months old. I mean, he tested great. And, and again, you know, other than the, uh, the stake-line test, most of the, of the other portions of our test involve some amount of drive. So he, he shined really well. But he did all the stake-line test as well. You know, but during the first couple of weeks, two, three weeks of training, and even about a month, he was walking around tail between the legs, a little shy during obedience, a little shy during different aspects of low drive uh, activity. But once the drive came on, he was a beast. Well, you know, it's just patience. Patience is a virtue. He was a youngster. He again. He's you know he's a two year old. And one day, guess what? He's gonna be a he's gonna be an eight year old. He's gonna be a ten year old. And that's what happened to him. He grew up a little bit, and now he's a beast. And he is not shy about anything. He's probably one of our top dogs right now. You know, I think that if you if we have faith in our tests, and back to what Ron said, and the dog is not broken. This dog doesn't sound broken at all. You know, then we have a slate to work with. And if it requires patience in our time, okay we knew we bought a young dog that we got to be a little bit more patient in the first place. You know, so I, I, I like it. I, I, and my other advice to you is that if it gives you any more problems next week, give me a call and send them. <laughs> to
0: yeah. you, you got a home for
2: him. <laughs> I
1: mean, more, I'm more happy to take him off your
0: head, buddy. So I'll tell you one other, one other thing that happened with him that, cause I agree with you guys, what I've told the the trainer who's training him and I'm kind of, I'm kind of overseeing, trying to help him. Um, my thoughts are twofold. I look at it like a slick floor problem, you know, that, that, yeah, it's there, but you know, we're not going to concentrate all the time. Um, and the, the trainer, um, had a a friend of his that does, uh, some sport dog work. He just wanted his opinion. And he's like, you know, do you care? I said, I don't care. Anybody can give an opinion. So they had, they had this, uh, guy come by again when I wasn't there one day and they, the, the trainer, trainer's friend came by and they got the dog out. And the handler who's who's a brand brand new handler with very little experience, but is doing a good job. But he's still a new handler, so I think there's some information going from the handler about being nervous. Well, they had the handler present the dog, you know, get him out, you know, so that this guy could look at, you know, this stranger could look at the dog, and it didn't go well. Um, The dog showed a lot of shyness, and the guy right away because he has no, uh, you know, s- you know, invest in it, it. The easy answer is to say just get rid of the dog. I think you know, so that's what he said. Just Yeah, I wouldn't work that dog. Get rid of him. I can only imagine that would hurt if I was a brand new handler and I had somebody who, you know, was supposedly been around for a long time and done a lot of work, tells me get rid of my brand new dog. That would have to give me some stress that the dog would have to feel. So, do you guys think that there's um, a lot of information that a handler, good or bad, can give going down the leash? You know, that without even without even really realizing it. So, do do you see that a lot, Wendell?
3: yeah, I mean, a new handler doesn't know what he doesn't know. And so when they when someone who who has presented themselves or someone else has presented them as being knowledgeable makes bold and extreme statements like that, then it really it really is a little bit damaging to the the new handler because they're they' just don't know what to think. Yeah, um, and I don't like it when someone comes from the outside. And just makes a blanket extreme statement like this. I mean, there may have been a time when, you know, 30 years ago when you could say, okay, this dog doesn't have blue eyes. I'm going to trade him for yeah. something else. But nowadays, you're lucky to get any dog that that works uh, as well as what you're talking about.
0: Yeah. And, and Ron, um, do, you, do you think, like I said, when take when you take the wind out of the the handler's sails a little bit, you, do you think that can also create some of this? Oh, absolutely.
1: I mean, the the other end of the leash is uh, um, a crucial tool when it comes to guiding that dog. And I mean, we talk about this all the time that dogs sense when people's blood sugar is low, and if they can do that, they can sense everything else that's going on inside of their handlers that they're spending time with. So, yeah. um, I, I think it's. It can have a huge impact. Um, but, and whoever's doing the training there's as much time with that handler making sure that you build his confidence in that dog. Sure. Because that's going to that's be huge.
0: Sure. And I know, Mike, you guys train a lot of different handlers and you get a lot of varying experiences and stuff. Anything that you could suggest to this handler, who I'm sure will eventually listen to this podcast, you know how, how can he kind of uh, – you know, maybe mitigate anything that he might be, or any any other handler who's got a similar problem like this. How do you how do you mitigate that as a handler, a new handler?
2: You know, the the biggest thing is uh is relax. You know, I mean, both both window and Ron can kind of hit it hit the dog on the head again. You know, it's we we work the dogs differently in training than we do in the real world, because in training we know for a fact that unless someone does something really stupid off the rails, no one's really going to get hurt here. But in the real world, we can. And so that stress factor comes into play. And when that stress factor comes into play, we start handling the dog differently. Our corrections are different. Our our verbal, our verbalizing the dog is different. Our stress comes out. And the dog feels that. So the biggest thing is to relax. Breathe. You know, I, I, I'm i under the same mindset as, as Wendell said. You know, I, I don't like when people from the outside come in and see something for five or ten minutes and just tell me, okay, this dog's got to go.
0: Well, that's, that's the easy answer, you know, just yeah. I look at it. It's always the an easy answer. I, yeah, you're never wrong then, I guess. But uh, if you say, yeah, you no, can work but through the problem
2: with that is, but the problem with that is, though, we're talking about resources, you know. Not everyone has that ability or that wherewithal to say, hey, I don't like this dog. Get rid of him. Sometimes there's a lot of hurdles and things to get to that point.
0: Yeah, and like you know. I said, this dog—we we went uh, fourteen hundred miles to get this dog, so right—it's not yeah. like not like you, where you can uh, run over to Riverside and change a dog, which is no, absolutely. still, still. And even a though hurtful, I
2: can sure. I still don't
0: do that. Yep, exactly. You no, know? yeah, because
2: because you don't know what you are going
0: to get. Well, your next dog's going to have problems as well. It's, exactly. So every dog. Well, I think uh, we're all kind of on the same page, so I appreciate that. Um, anybody else have any other tips or tricks for this particular problem that you would uh, throw out there? Well.
1: I think, you know, Mike, Mike hit it up a little while ago when he talked about the word patience. Yeah. And I constantly say in training with handlers that, you know, about 75%, if not more, of what we accomplish as dog trainers and handlers is having patience and uh, we need to be patient. And if the handler will just be patient and take guidance and work on the problem, I think he will find that 14-year-old mile is... Mike talked about becoming a beast as he get a little bit older.
0: Sure. Sure. I agree. I agree. Uh, Wendell, you got anything else, or you think we've covered it pretty good? Well, I, I
3: had one thought as we were wrapping it up, and that is that a new handler is at a disadvantage, of, of course, because, again, he doesn't know what he doesn't know. Yeah. And so sometimes they will be tempted to try to rush – when they see a dog that has a problem, their dog's having a problem, the other dogs are doing great, they'll try to put more pressure on the the dogs than what they ought to. And so one of my big issues is that when you go home with this dog, don't do something with the dog that you didn't do at training or don't put any additional pressure. Uh, Let us guide you. Let us coach you
0: because you don't know what you don't know. And so... Very, very good point. Very good point. Uh, Mike, you got anything else to wrap that one up?
2: No, that was, that was probably an you know, outstanding point right there. You know, my 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 first dog, my first dog came from Wendell Dope by the way of Don Arnell. And I was in that same predicament that he just brought up right there. My first dog took me four times to certify before they were able to get limited certify that dog. And there was one time I was out there on the field, and Don Don and I, Don and I kind of got into a pissing contest because this little young right behind the ear handler thought he knew something he didn't know <laughs> and you know and i said to him i said hey don i go my dog look better than that guy's dog and that guy's dog you certified him than the other and, he, and, I, and i'm better and i was better than them <laughs> yeah you're right he goes, "But you're also better than you were today you know and that's and that, that hit home yeah you yeah. know patience is it man you know it's it, don't, and like Wendell said you can't rush the process exactly there's a reason why that's why it's called a process there's a reason why we train exactly is the key
0: outstanding you guys well i appreciate you guys uh jumping on here um if you guys like like i always say you know this is a, a great example of networking so if you come to hits uh in scottsdale arizona this year um you'd be able to sit around a table and have beers and throw out ideas like this and trade ideas with handles from all over the world so Hopefully, uh, we'll see some of you guys uh, that are listening. We'll see you in Scottsdale this year. HITS, canine.net for all the information about HITS. And you guys, thanks again for jumping on. I appreciate it.
1: If you're looking to make an investment in your canine career, come the HITS 2020. There's no substitute for the real thing. Whether you're a new handler, who's looking to learn more about dog training, or an experienced trainer who's looking for new training ideas and techniques, come the HITS 2020 where the investment is well worth the return. HITS 2020 will have more classes and more vendors who give away more free raffle gifts and free cash than ever before. HITS is the world's largest canine seminar and is open to police officers and military members. Our experience makes the difference. You've been there, and we've been there
3: too.